Our current information age feels like it has more misinformation than any other time in human history. With the dissemination and spread of fake news at an all-time high, can people be trained to spot and pre-bunk misinformation and fake news? That's what we're here to learn about on today's episode of Stats and Short Stories. I'm John Baylor, and joining me is my co-host, Rosemary Pennington. Our guest today is Sander Vanderlinden. Vanderlinden is Professor of Social Psychology and Society in the Department of Psychology at the University of Cambridge and Director of the Cambridge Social Decision-Making Lab. His research interests center around the psychology of human judgment, communication, and decision-making. In particular, he is interested in influence and persuasion processes and how people gain resistance to persuasion by misinformation through psychological inoculation, which is where I'd like to start. Sander, you've used the expression, the valley of open-mindedness. And, you know, Sander, I want to live there. <laughs> I, I want to help people join me there. I want I want to do some, some development of that community and, and welcome others to this. So it seems like a lot of your work has been targeting yeah. trying to do that. So you, you did an experiment, and I know that some of your early interests were related to kind of aspects of, of belief in climate change. And yeah. you, you did an experiment to see if you could could impact kind of shifts in perception about whether or not you believe in climate change. Could you could you just describe a little bit of of what was done and then what was observed as a result of that? Yeah, absolutely. So we were interested in trying to understand how uh, public perception of the science on climate change gets manipulated by not only the media landscape but also the some of the disinformation actors who've been purposely spreading uh, you know misinformation about climate change and and one of the questions that we had was well if if it has a negative impact on people's perception then can we preemptively immunize people against it uh, by making them aware of the techniques of manipulation uh, beforehand and that uh, that was really the idea, following the vaccination analogy. Just as you expose people to a weakened dose, trigger the immune system to help fight off infection, maybe we can do the same with the mind by giving people a weakened dose, a simulation of the types of attack that you might come across, um, and then preemptively refuted, could we make people's you know attitudes uh, relatively more resistant to those type of attacks? And so we did an experiment with about 2,000 Americans, and we randomized people into different groups, and one group just received the facts as they are, you know, most scientists say that humans are causing climate change, very simple. The other was a misinformation condition where they were exposed to a petition. And this petition is misleading in the sense that it's not verified. And so it's, it's a website, anyone can go to it. It says, you know, thousands of scientists signed this petition saying global warming isn't happening. Uh, and, you know, they've removed it now, but Charles Darwin used to be on there, you know, people, the Spice Girls. And so it's any, anyone who could sign this petition, you know, and so it was, it was but people don't, you know, people don't understand the, the, the what we call the fake expert technique. And so you say, oh, this, this petition is signed by all of these fancy scientists and global warming isn't, isn't happening. Then another condition, we paired the two together, which was to simulate the early sort of false balance media landscape where, where typically a climate scientist is debating a contrarian and people get this false perception that, you know, there's a lot of debate on the issue. In the last condition, there was a control group who was just doing a word puzzle. Um, and then there was what we call the, the inoculation condition, where we preemptively, first we said, look, there's people out there trying to manipulate you for political purposes. You should be aware of that. And also, you might hear some some petition saying that, you know, climate change isn't real and all these thousands of scientists. But this is a manipulation strategy because actually here's how it works. Here's the, you know, here, here's how many signatories are actually validated on this petition. Um, this is what we call the fake expert technique to try to influence your opinion. 
And then later on the experiment, we let people go to the website and find out for themselves. And what we found, if you compared across conditions, was that, yeah, if, if you were just exposed to that petition, you started to have quite a negative perception of the science and climate change. If you were just exposed to the facts, then, you know, you, you were you were more aligned with the facts. But the unfortunate truth is that we don't live in a vacuum where, where, where people just, just get the facts, right? And so in the condition where they were contrasted, people were confused. And so, you know, the, the, the power of facts was completely wiped out by the presence of this contrarian sort of petition, completely wiped out. And so then we found in the in the sort of immunizing condition and what we call the pre-bunking condition is that uh, it wasn't perfect, but we were able to preserve uh, a large amount of the effect that we would have seen in the facts only condition. So people, you know, were not fully endorsing the scientific consensus, but much more than they would have if we if we hadn't pre-bunked the misinformation. So it was about one thirds to two thirds of uh, of the of the effect of uh, of the factual condition, uh, which was quite a large effect in itself. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it was it, maybe maybe a thirty percent boost in in people's sort of resistance to the misinformation. And so that's not full immunity, but now people were able to sort of disentangle it and, and make up their own mind. And I think that that was the whole point of it. Coming to the value of openness uh, sort of analogy, the the idea is. Not so much that we tell people what's true and what's false, but that we give empower people to unveil the techniques of manipulation so that they can make up their own mind. That's really interesting because I know in the field of health communication, there's been a lot of work to try to educate people about misinformation around health or educate people about, you know, HIV AIDS awareness. It's something that I know a fair amount about. But there's always this struggle in that the messages, the educational messages are not always super influential. They don't often make, do the job, right? So people create these interventions where they want to help people, you know, get vaccinated or or do something to, to improve their health. And for some reason, the intervention doesn't work. And it's sort of what you have sort of talked about here and what also shows up in that COVID study that you, you helped co-author was, I, I wonder what is the difference? If, if it's just saying there's some false information and sort of making that clear, if that's what's sort of helping with with the intervention. Because um, I do think that's an interesting perspective you're adding to this attempt to educate people about. Absolutely. I think there's a few elements to it. One is that it's the, the forewarning in itself can be effective sometimes, but it typically has a smaller effect. But it is it is useful because people are not always alerted to the fact that they're going to be misled. And so nobody wants to be duped. And so I think if you, if you, if you tell people in advance, and particularly the people who, um, who consider themselves as the, uh, the truth seekers, they, they don't want to be manipulated by anyone, right? So when you, when you tell people that they might be vulnerable to manipulation, then all of a sudden they're paying attention. So I think that that is a useful sort of way to start the message. And then I think the power of the pre-bunk really is that, yeah, you get some reactance sometimes when you when you try to tell people what the facts are and what the misinformation is. But we find that it, people are less resistant when you talk about the ways in, in the techniques that, you know, uh, are used to mislead people. And so people seem to be more receptive to that. So if I tell you, um, not necessarily that you're wrong because, you know, you don't believe in climate change, but that, you know, there, there are people that use fake experts to try to convince you that there's a lot of disagreement. Um, then people are more amenable to reconsidering their stance on the issue. Then, and, so, and so we found that that is a useful approach to engage with more hesitant audiences um, by showing them uh, really, you know, what, what, the, what the techniques are that are used to deceive people rather than try to force uh, a, an opinion, which is 
often approach in health communication of saying this is the right answer. This is the these are the facts. Uh, um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a middle ground. Uh, it, and I would say it doesn't get it doesn't elicit the type of behavior change that you might want from a health campaign usually, uh, but but it is a way to I think to, to more effectively communicate with with hesitant audiences. And to the climate experiment, you you were mentioning bad news earlier. I mean, one of the things that we came up with was that I mean, it's kind of boring. Maybe people don't want messages about climate change, and so we said we we're, we're going to create a game and we're going to gamify this whole approach, and we're not going to take ourselves too seriously, and we're going to you know help people in a simulated environment, a simulated social media environment let people come to terms with all the problems in social media and some of these techniques. Uh, and we found that that was a, a nice way to engage people and for people to learn something and not feel like they're learning something. So I, I did the game. You know, I, th I thought it was a how-to guide to become a conspiracy influencer. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, Sander, I, you know, I, I got my badges on, you know, impersonation yeah. and emotion and polarization and conspiracy and discrediting and trolling. I, you know, I, I really thought like I had earned the next rank in terms of being, <laughs> you know, kind of a really malicious actor in this. I So I'm, I'm really so glad that you mentioned this bad, the bad news software, because I thought that was a, it's, I was going to ask if that was in part inspired by by some of that that experimental work that you had done with with the idea of the vaccination as a way of trying to address you know the fact that fake news would would negate simple facts in terms of presentations was this part of the inoculation strategy yeah absolutely yeah yeah and that was part of the motivation uh, behind it um and we um you know the idea of the game was really and so, so my graduate student at the time, who was influential in, in bringing this the game the game idea to the lab, was that maybe, and also to the idea of the messenger, maybe people don't want to receive messages from from authoritative figures. Maybe we should create a game for people that's online, anyone can share and use it. Um, and it does it does we we explicitly created a sort of jolt that you're like, oh, I'm stepping into the shoes of a missive, right? To, to activate people's immune system, to sort of speak, right? To get the antibodies flowing that people are, it is a bit of a jolting sort of experience. Um, and uh, they're all weakened doses, you know, in the sense that it's using humor and, and stuff that's obviously too ridiculous to be true, but but it gets the, it gets the message um, sort of across. So it is very much inspired by, by that inoculation design and the weakened dose metaphor. Uh, and so when people come out of the simulation, they, they should be relatively more immune. As you say, you go through the levels. And sometimes I use a magic show metaphor that the, the thing is that if you go to an illusionist, you might be duped the first time around because you don't know how it works. And the, the standard fact-checking approach is here's a scientific technical blueprint of the trick. Or, you know, we could spend some time backstage and we could, you know, you could step into the shoes of the illusionist. And then the next time you see it, you're never going to be duped again. Because at the end of the day, people are really experiencers. And once you've had the experience, you're not going to be fooled by it again. Now, some people have asked us, you know, aren't you worried that you might create a, a fake news troll? I mean, the thing is, how many people go on to be a professional illusionist after after learning it? Uh, you know, so, so we're not we're not so concerned about that because we, we're not revealing the incentives for spreading fake news. We don't show people how to make money of, or, you know, how to gain political favors with it. And so we've tried to to keep to all keep it, you know, pretty clean. But other than that, you know, it was meant to be a fun experience. Oh, it's, it was great. I've, I, you know, and we'll certainly want to encourage people to explore that as they go forward. I, I, I think that if your if your lab had a theme song, it'd probably be the Who's won't get fooled again. Just as. <laughs> 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 well, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this, this episode of Stats and Short Stories. Thanks again, Sander, for joining us. My pleasure. 
That's in Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you can find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on our program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.